You're listening to Go Fish, exclusively on the pod station. It's competition time, everyone. Elaine, Chris and I wanted to give you, the listeners, a chance to win some fantastic prizes. All you need to do is like or follow one of our social media pages. It's go underscore fish marketing. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. And you also need to give us a review on Apple or on Facebook. What the prize is, Chris? The winner will receive free entry to my next LinkedIn masterclass. The winner is going to get free access to my online program, 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 actions. Funky Vibes will be giving a voucher worth £100 for any website developments or graphic design. There is a deadline for entering the competition. You need to make sure you've done it by the 31st of May. Winners will be drawn at random on the first show after the competition closes, so you need to stay tuned to find out whether or not you're the lucky winner. Good luck, guys. You're listening to Go Fish, exclusively on the pod station. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Go Fish Marketing Podcast. Each week we cover a topic. Uh, which will hopefully help you make a bit more of your marketing budget or at the very least come up with some ideas or some solutions to a problem that you might be facing. Um, My name is Matt Pollard. My business is Funky Vibes Marketing. Uh, With me, as always, are my co-hosts. We have Elaine Atherton from To Sum It Up. Hi, Elaine. Hi, great to be here. Seeing you, lovely gentlemen. Oh, oh, you're such a charmer, Elaine. (laughs) I know. I can't help it. And having set the bar very high, we now turn to our other co-host, Chris Roxborough from My Marketing Guy. What charming things are you going to say, Chris? No, I'm just going to say good to be here and uh, looking forward to this. (laughs) Now, we've roped in the extra help of somebody else because, of course, we get bored of listening to our own voices. Uh, Well, I do anyway. I'm not sure about Chris. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but nevertheless, we, we, we've decided to bring in some, some expert help from uh, outside of the room or outside of the normal show. Uh, so with us is Daniel Al-Sayed from Stratscom's Communications UK. I'll edit it as applicable. Uh, he's come to help us to cover the topic of public relations and to explain uh, both what it is and to perhaps address some of the issues that people might be facing because you might be facing issues you might not even realise you are facing the issues um, because it's an ill-understood topic. So, Dan, how are you doing? Great to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation, everybody. Thank you again. It's great to be here, but uh, indeed, there's a lot going on with COVID, so lots to jump into today. Indeed. Now, of course, we're all social distancing, so we're all Zooming it once again. Uh, So we we try and make the sound quality as best as possible, but uh, if there's the occasional blip, it's because the children are watching Peppa Pig uh, in the room downstairs and absorbing (laughs) all of my internet bandwidth. So apologies in advance. I guess we should get stuck into the nitty-gritty straight and early. Dan, I'll come to you first because, of course, you are our guest and it would have been rude not to. Shall we start by just explaining to people what we mean by PR and communications? Absolutely. I mean, high level, we're talking about making brands popular, communicating key messages, including differentiators, things that position us differently to our competitors, or indeed protecting a company's reputation. These adequately summarize PR on three pillars, if you will, but at its core, 
I like to say that PR or public relations is concerned with the engagement of focus audiences to transmit strategic messages. It's a slightly academic definition, but ultimately messages that are intended to aid the delivery of business objectives or to boost the reputation or understanding of an organization, a brand, possibly even just a person, say in political campaigns. Another way of putting it might be that PR professionals manage brand perception, usually overcoming challenges on reputation so that they can nurture a, a favorable public image. Examples in popular culture that we can all relate to, of course, extend from the good old House of Cards drama, where we see Kevin Spacey deliver some masterful public relations, which is obviously the dark side of things if we want a Star Wars reference. You know, the manipulation of media, perception, it's not the way to go, guys, but indeed, it's a wonderful reference to learn from. More positive or opportune examples in popular culture that I'd like to throw out for discussion in a moment after I tell you a little story that you may not have heard before. The red carpet, completely different dynamic, okay? There, we have a lot of interesting things happening, and it's a great place to begin to invest in the basics of PR. Sometimes it's just simply demonstrating that you are of an admirable quality or part of an admirable cause, and thus Versace or whatever brand decide to sponsor you with the latest and greatest garments. Indeed, it could be a place for you to make a statement because people don't stand there and reel off a press release or give interviews. You're lucky if you get a smile and a pose. So in that case, the red carpet's quite an interesting space as it's very minimalist from a PR perspective whilst enabling all of the fundamentals, including stunts. Now, obviously, as a former sportsman, I'm quite keen for martial arts. So let me tell you a story about Van Damme. We all remember the muscles from Brussels, 1970s. He was the Belgium champion of bodybuilding. Chris models his wardrobe on uh, Van Damme. I missed the muscles from Brussels. <laughs> I have to say, when you idol. <laughs> there was a young martial artist I was fascinated with this chap, and he decided that the best way for, for him to actually break into filming, the only way, in fact, he tried everything else and near enough bankrupted himself, to my understanding, was to visit a director where he could definitely find him, definitely access him, and definitely impress him. Where else? The red carpet. He couldn't get into the offices. Security had barred him from the building enough time. And so he went, ran, jumped up, and did his trademark to this day. He did his trademark kick above the head of the director. Full splits, extraordinary display of uh, talent. And because nobody had done that kick or done it with such excellence and in such an impressionable way, it landed him a career quite literally. So again, it doesn't have to be necessarily what you say or how much, but keeping it basic, leverage your opportunities and make sure that you're doing things that build your brand, communicate key messages, or safeguard your company's reputation. I think it'd have probably landed me in hospital, Chris, um, if I'd have spun my leg like that. I think if you'd done it these days, you'd have been shot by security. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Elaine, those are some really good examples of PR on a slightly bigger scale. Um, yeah. uh, what sort of PR circumstances have you come across in your career? Yeah, well, interesting, because obviously I've worked with some big brands, um, and 
one of them being body shops, which everybody knows body shop. And of course, Anita Roddick was, because she was the, um, a, a bit of a, a, a PR um, focus from time to time, very well loved. And certainly um, there were some really interesting stories about her. And of course, one of the other companies I worked for was Ann Summers. So of course, Ann Summers was definitely, um, PR was uh, very much on their, their radar, without a doubt. So. So I've seen the good, bad, and the ugly in PR, as most of us have, I think, um, definitely. Uh, but I love that story about uh, how how do you? It's almost like how do you go above and beyond, doesn't isn't it, to get yourself noticed sometimes? And and is is there a, such a thing as bad PR or bad press? Is a thing, isn't it? Well, that, that that's a deep and philosophical question, <laughs> Chris, which I'm going to land firmly on your lap before I throw it back to Dan. Um, is there such a bad thing as PR? And it, can we give some examples of, sort of smaller businesses and how they might come across either the need or the challenges for good PR? Where, where the smaller businesses are concerned, I'm, I'm going to avoid your question completely, to be honest, Mark, because that's one for the expert. Um, but where the smaller businesses are concerned, PR can be just something as simple as... Um, as sending a, a, a DIY press release to the, the news editor of the local paper saying we've just launched a new service. Um, so you, you, you can run for, you, you, and if it's a quiet news day, they'll get it printed. Um, so you can run from, from that, the, the very small uh, sole trader type uh, PR, DIY, to, to Dan's top line, um, Top line example with uh, the muscles from Brussels. Was it the muscles from Brussels? Yeah, it was indeed. <laughs> or Brussels, or Brussels muscles. Uh, <laughs> I forget which. But um, but no. I, so I, I, everybody gets involved in PR a little uh, to to one degree or another. And when I was doing business startup um, seminars, my advice to all of them was: if you're launching your company, let the local paper know. They just might be interested. Um, don't be paying for anything. Not at, not not in the startup phase, but um, but let them know. I know Dan's cringing here. <laughs> so don't be paying for anything. Um, but, um, but 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 let but let them know what's going on. Get your name out there. It, it is it's genuine genuine PR. And it might get printed. It might not. But Dan's the one to answer the. Uh, is there any bad PR? So, Absolutely. yeah, Dan, uh, Chris has very admirably thrown that deep and uh, meaningful <laughs> question over to you. Um, so, is there such a thing as bad PR? As always, I'll sit on the fence. <laughs> it does depend, honestly, and I'll, I'll answer exactly why. Um, for me, and for most people that are familiar with public relations, Understanding how to capitalize on either a positive or a negative set of circumstances is at the crux of what we are supposed to be doing. Obviously, with a view to repair and to retain a positive image, but if we're going down a road and things are negative, we can look at many examples worldwide, both locally and internationally, say Katie Hopkins. She's built a career on being despicable, <laughs> you know, for want of a better word. So whilst it is bad PR, is it a negative thing for her brand? Probably not. She's got to that point where 
a brand has reached a certain level of growth where it will never continue to, you know, it won't uh, begin to falter far from it as long as she maintains narrative and she continues along the lines of capitalizing with bad PR. And in that perspective, there is bad PR and it can work to some people's benefit. In another context, holy chaos Covington at the UFC, one of the greatest fighters in the world. I can't stand the guy, but he made his career and earned his opportunities to a title fight in recent months through exactly the same thing, leveraging his relationship with Donald Trump. So in that sense, sure, bad PR is out there, but some people actually do quite well from it. The majority, however, certainly shouldn't seek it nor invest in it. And as and when it comes, I think it's important to understand some of the subtleties of communication within the context of PR so that you can begin to understand how you're supposed to navigate such a crisis. Or if it's a minor issue, how you can begin to you know, turn up to your advantage by reiterating or sharing new key messages that matter to your stakeholders and indeed the objectives that you still have at hand. What do you think, Elaine, in terms of whether or not there is such a thing as bad PR? Is it more just a case of if there is a negative vibe that is floating in your direction, is it more just a case of having to work a little bit harder to make it turn it into something positive? Because ultimately it is PR, but if you deal with it correctly arguably you can almost turn it to your advantage i i once saw i think it was um a, 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 it was one of those places where you take your pets to get all fluffed and blown and looked after <laughs> and cleaned etc and um the video was being taken by a member of staff of somebody giving the dog a wash um, and the dog wasn't overly happy, as I suspect I probably wouldn't be. Uh, and it went to sort of jump <laughs> off the uh, stand. And the woman who was washing the dog sort of went to grab the dog and ended up grabbing it by the back of its neck, you know, with the sort of the clump mm. of skin slash yeah. fur at the back of its neck. So at face value, it looked like quite a brutal bit mm. of um, abuse to the dog. Uh, in actual fact, all she was trying to do was stop the dog hurting itself by leaping off on or onto the floor from quite a height. Um, and uh, this member of staff who was taking the video promptly, well, left shortly after that and as often begruntled, uh, disgruntled employees do, uh, look to stir the hornet's nest when they leave and fired this rather subtly edited video to give the impression of that. Um, which mm. obviously went quite viral very quickly, uh, and the, this establishment ended up getting subject to quite a lot of abuse, um, and, and particularly from people who were opposed to animal, animal cruelty, which is probably the most destructive thing for a business of that nature. Uh, and so they mm. set about repairing that by going to great pains to contact the owner. Um, I think they bought some gifts for the dog, went round, videoed them, playing with the dog, speaking to the owner, you know, doing everything to show that it it was taken out of the context of the situation. Now, is that a way of repairing the PR? Is is that just kind of, um, is that the solution to the problem? Well, I, I, yeah, I would definitely say that is a, a solution, isn't it? Um, because how you deal with the bad press <laughs> is definitely uh, fundamental, isn't it? And But I suppose it goes back to the fact, are you equipped to deal with it? Because... Um, what happens when a lot of us 
feel like we're attacked in some way. Um, you know, we go on the defensive and then that generates another story, doesn't it? So how you deal with uh, your bad press, if you like, I'd say is crucial, isn't it, really? And I suppose that refers back to what Daniel said there. You look at, um, you know, Casey Hopkins. Well, you know, she's clearly comfortable with how people see her because if she wasn't, she wouldn't be doing it the way she's doing it, would she? So, um, you know, what what we might say is, oh, why would you want people to see you in that way? She's making a serious living out of it and she's obviously comfortable with it. And, and she, in her in her world, she's just probably being true to herself, isn't she? Because that's yeah. her brand and who she is. Mm. So whereas well, some of us might look at it and think, oh, how could you possibly want to, you know, be seen that way? Well, you know, some people are very comfortable with it, aren't they? And that's that, that is that part of their yeah. brand, really. Mm. Social media is a particular landmine, Chris, uh, when it comes to PR, because as I've just described, then things can go viral very quickly. People can throw random comments on posts. They can give you negative reviews quite easily. It's, you're talking the click of a button in most instances. Um, and as Elaine said, the natural inclination is to get very defensive and uppity about yeah. someone who you think has wronged you. Um, what sort of suggestions would you give from from that perspective? Depends on the degree, doesn't it? Um, I, mean, I don't know if Daniel might agree, but um, very often with with some bad social media posts or a bad review, the best thing to do is just ignore it because if you feed it. Um, you know the, the the subsequent. If you defend yourself, they're going to come back, um, and then where does it go? So there have been cases in the past where customers have come on to me and said, "Look, I've had this. I've had this comment on Facebook, Twitter, whatever it might be. What do you think I should do?" And when I looked at it, I thought, "Well, there's there's, there's no. You're not going to win here." So just ignore it and um, and bury it in. Um, oh, Daniel's shaking his head. That's interesting. Um, just just ignore it and bury it with uh, bury it with um, some positive stuff and, uh, and and get some engagement on on your on your new posts. But Dan, Daniel, go on. You, don't, on don't ignore it. Go on. That's interesting to hear. This. Hang on. Where's my well, boxing bell? Ding ding. Right. Off we go. There we go. Well, there's certainly something that you, you've, we've all touched on here that is definitely true, and that's to, you know, be dispassionate. You know, don't be emotional, don't be erratic, definitely. And if you feel that way, definitely ignore it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I cannot emphasize that enough, 100% there. At the same time, though, whilst you say you can't win because it's starting with a negative, as we showed earlier on, there are ways to manage public relations and transform negative experiences into positives. Now, what better way, for example, than if we have a negative comment on Facebook, than to acknowledge this person and thank them for getting in touch firstly, because people hate to be ignored in any context. Yes, yeah. Second of all, acknowledge the fact that there may be some gaps where you can make improvements and you're going to take that feedback seriously with a commitment to improve what you're offering to market. Third of all, if it is an absolute oversight, well, why don't you compensate that person openly and say, this is not up to our standards. We acknowledge that. And as a result, we're going to reward you for your loyalty to our brand and make sure that this doesn't happen to other people. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. They will be happy with that in most cases because they didn't even ask. 
for a resolution, perhaps. They just ranted in most cases. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I, I, I did preface my comments by saying it depends on the circumstances, sure. and you're quite right. Mm. Uh, you're quite right. You can turn this into a positive if you if you handle it properly. I would always say um, though, never ignore, because even if okay. it's absolutely scathing, I mean, why be ignorant? It's not a positive. You should obviously aim to bury it, as you said. I agree with positive uh, remarks in place, and that's something that is a continual effort. Yeah. But in the first instance. I wouldn't personally ignore anybody. With 22 million UK users, LinkedIn offers a fabulous opportunity to find your ideal clients and to stay ahead of your competition. But what do these future clients currently find when they visit your profile? First impressions count. So, are you proud of your fantastic profile because it is client ready and written with them in mind? Or do you look at it and wonder how you could do better because you are not generating leads? My Marketing Guy works with those who want to take advantage of the amazing potential offered by LinkedIn. So, for more details, please email guy at mymarketingguy.co.uk to arrange an initial consultation. Remember, your next client is on LinkedIn. It's, it's all very much about strategy, though, isn't it? Because ultimately, if... Now, I know people who... Um, and I, I, when I say know them, I know their, of their existence. They're not associates or friends for reasons which become abundantly clear. Um, who will go out for meals and deliberately complain because they're looking to get a discount or they're looking to get right. some aspect of the meal for free as opposed to it being a legitimate constructive criticism um, of their experience. And I guess this comes back to why both Chris and Daniel are correcting what they are saying, because ultimately it's difficult to win in that sort of situation. You can't just hand out freebies to people like that willy-nilly because ultimately you'll end up with every Tom, Dick and Harry racking up and complaining about the fact that the currents weren't cut correctly um, and and you'll go out of business very quickly. Um, but by the same token, as you say, you can't ignore those people. So... It, it does create a quandary, doesn't it? Because you have to be, you have to try and think outside of the box as to how you deal with those people, and that's again where the strategy comes back. Because these are things, if you own a restaurant, you should know that those are kind of challenges you're likely to face, and therefore come up with some scenarios that you can then train your staff to implement if they find themselves in that kind of a situation. I think, uh, in all fairness, probably best to wrap that point up is to say that I think you've highlighted the issue. I mean, Chris is certainly onto something when he's saying there are great challenges and even further risks at hand by continuing that dialogue, that communication. I mean, God forbid you can't make them happy. Some people are never satisfied, you know, until they get their freebies. And you can't afford to do that for all. So whilst that is true, I guess the greatest fundamental challenge for most organizations or teams is having that in-house strategic resource, that knowledge on how to engage each individual issue and complaint, because one size doesn't fit all. So whilst I will never ignore everybody, I don't have a single solution. Um I guess, sorry, Elaine, you were going to say something then. I was just going to say, um, interesting, one of my roles uh, in the past, in uh, an early job, was 
dealing with complaints. <laughs> this is all very reminiscent of that. Um, really, yeah, flashbacks. If that faces it, it was absolutely yeah. Um, it's almost like that killing, killing with kindness, isn't it? Of um, approach of of like, really, you don't necessarily get why the person's complaining, but actually, it doesn't matter whether you agree with it or you don't agree with it. It's how how you address it. So, so this is all a bit reminiscent of that, really, of how you deal with these things. But anyway, well, ownership yeah. and resolution, I believe, are the terms, and you're in the complaints department. Oh, oh totally. Um, the, the point is, isn't it? And it's. I think that is it can be a challenge for people because they don't actually know how to deal with it the best way because it's not just something we're all born with, is it? Of oh yeah, it worked, you know, I get a complaint or I get a challenge, or someone's you know challenged my way of doing things or whatever. We're not always that good at dealing with that, and it is it is a skill actually. I think to um, be able to do it or and to actually train people how to do it, as you say, if they're in that department where they deal with that, they should absolutely know the best way and have a procedure of how they deal with it. Now, we've already mentioned a couple of ideas to start with when it comes to PR. Uh, Chris mentioned the submitting articles and blogs and uh, relevant stories to local um, publications, whether they're online or um, printed, um, so that, well, of course, journalists, when it's your full-time job, it sounds sounds probably quite cushy but the reality is trying to find a story every single day is really hard work particularly at this time when there is only one story knocking around um so giving people material that they can then use sounds like a no-brainer so chris has given a great idea then um what other places would you be looking to start at daniel for uh, a business and who is looking to build some public relations um, as ever with me, this is normally the precursor to more or less everything I say as a, a, a rather passionate academic, but context does dictate completely. I mean, for example, if you're an online business, you wouldn't want to try and market yourself at live events, most probably. You stick online where your people are, and therefore you use content that performs well online. So in that case, I mean, if it's a... If it's the absolute bare bones of any business and it's the absolute foundations of their PR efforts, well, I agree with Chris, actually. He thought I wouldn't approve of the good old traditional press release, but in fact, of course, yes, I would. It's an in-house, organic, free piece of content that as long as it's well thought through and clearly written, it will possibly reach a great number of stakeholders and some of those you won't even know about. Many of those will not even respond. But at the end of the day, if we want to build brand awareness, you have to start on social, on print, if both are relevant. And of course, you need to develop your own collateral so that you can disseminate them. Whether this is a brochure, maybe only a business card. It depends on the model of your business and what you're providing. With Funky Vibes, for example, I personally imagine guerrilla marketing because of how dynamic your brand colors are. I imagine high impact solutions. So with you, for example, perhaps you would take that to some of your clients because it's the easiest way for them to get attention from passers-by. Maybe they shouldn't be on the internet trying to sweet talk their stakeholders on Facebook. Indeed, maybe they should be focused on live engagements outside, near to their office, and with nothing but human assets in play. What about you, Elaine? What what kind of PR do you use? 
I don't know whether I'm very good at um, PR, really. I've, I've been better at it in the past in other things I've done, um, but currently I, I, I know the reason why, because at one point in my career I had this story written uh, in a big local paper, which wasn't completely accurate, and it, what they did, did an interview, and you know, and I obviously shared the facts, but, and then there was a part of the story um, which just wasn't as I'd said it, uh, so I, I suppose that's why I sort of um, avoid it, really. It's not something I'd probably want to do much of, rightly or wrongly. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Uh, the, the, I presume you've you've done quite a few over the years of, of PR. Over the years, yeah. Whether, yeah. whether it be live events, because exhibitions and the like are a, a great platform for doing it if it suits your business. Yeah, now over the years I've, I've had... Um, interviews in local papers, regional papers, um, trade press, another good one. Um, all those, all those, ask the expert type of things in in, in trade press. All, all all those sorts of things over the years, but nothing particularly recently. Um, the landscape changed so much once social media took a real hold. And once free news, free newspapers are now a thing of the past, pretty much. I think the volumes have dropped from something in the order of twenty-eight million going out. At, no, more than that, going out every uh, every week. Um, they've dropped now to around about five million homes now get a, a free newspaper. <clears throat> Same is true with uh, paid-for papers; their circulations have absolutely plummeted. So, whereas in in days gone by, in, in my earlier life. It was it was really worthwhile doing those uh, exercises. Now, yes, it's still got a value, uh, of course it has, but um, but not quite the value it used to have. It's all it's all transferred online. Um, don't know if Daniel agrees with that, but um, that, that's that's the way I, I read things. There's still a case for uh, niche press, niche, niche PR. Um, Campaigns for for, for niche uh, niche industries, but um, for me, not not so much these days. Yeah, I think it's very important to say that ultimately, when it comes down to strategic engagement, whatever that might comprise, or whatever the whatever the mediums might be, you need to make sure that people are able to share what you get out there. You know, this is what we call social PR. Yeah. That yeah. is kind of where everything has gravitated to, as Chris just said. Everything is now online, pretty much, in most contexts, or it can be marketed there. So in that sense, absolutely, I think the fundamentals establish where people are, most likely get online, and just make sure that you're saying the same thing with clarity so that if it's appealing, people will share it and get the message with relative ease. Um, we, we've mentioned there that, I mean, we could we could cover, and perhaps this will be for a subsequent episode, the kind of PR exercises and strategies that you could implement in the normal world, or what we would probably call the former normal world before the cataclysmic <laughs> episode that was the coronavirus, oh. or not not the coronavirus, because I recently learned this week that actually that's existed for ages. Sorry, COVID-19, which is actually the strand that's uh, threatening us all at this moment in time, because that's massively shifted the landscape, both short-term and probably long-term as well. 
Um, so attending events to be a guest speaker or to do interviews in person just aren't practical at this no. moment in time. Whereas there are online versions, as Chris says. So you have your podcasts, you have your online meeting, Zoom meetings like this, um, you know, telephone interview. There's lots of things you can do online, social media videos, um, those kind of things. I mean, how? First and foremost, I guess, Daniel, how do you see the whole place having shifted at this moment for the pandemic? And what are your thoughts in terms of what the landscape might look like as we sort of come out of the, the lockdown? I think that people will be much more focused on the possibilities of what they are able to do as a team, both individually and collectively, using technology. And I think a lot of people or traditionalists with PR or people that have remained in more traditional sectors or activities within the, the PR industry, say print uh, media, you know, in that sense, it's time to really kind of notice how important the internet is. There are still people that don't embrace social, that are they're hesitant with excuses. That's how I tend to discuss this when I train people. But at the end of the day, look, Bill Gates very famously once said, if I had $1 left in the bank, I'd spend it on public relations. What does that tell you? We all know Microsoft and we all know they know how to do it right. They have done it wrong. But if you go back and observe those particular instances, just to retouch on a, an earlier topic, they turned them into positives on the most part, in all fairness. So when the, the dust settles, I think people are going to be more interested in how they can utilize technology to make their own business more efficient. They will, they will have identified new means of communicating and become better at it without a doubt. I was going to say, we've got so used to, to, to Trump these last few weeks and <clears throat> frankly not believing a word he says. Did Bill Gates really say that, uh, <laughs> that $1 left or, or is that made up by PR men? Well, he said something trying. similar, but by the time the PR people got hold of it, that's what it was intended to have meant. Well, yeah, that's the crux of it anyway. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting, actually, well, I mean, just listening to what Chris said as well there, do, do people think differently now about PR uh, and actually, you know, I mean, you know, Chris and I have been around the block a few times, um, and um, I think you know what. When we started out, certainly you know our, our big goal when we um, were in body shop is to get you know get people in mag in the magazine, which you know happened and things like that. Whereas I don't even know whether people would even think like that now. Whether the world's moved on, as you say, it, it would be online stuff. So perhaps I don't know. Perhaps it it just it does. I'm not sure I know of anyone who would say, I'm going to try and get my name somewhere. I'm talking small business now, not, not obviously high profile people, but who would think, yeah, I'm really going to push to get myself in that online magazine or uh, because I think it just, there's just this general feel that like it's just so much harder now. So why would you put your energy into that when you could do all the things? I don't, I don't know whether I'm right or wrong in that thinking, but I, that just seems to be what I feel 
is around whether people would even consider it yeah, now as an easy job. I mean, the, the immediate thing it made me think of was uh, right now to reference somebody that Mark and I are you know, currently working with in different capacities, you know, some of them are very young, very PR savvy in terms mm. of social. And when I've been speaking to them about what we do through Stratcoms UK, you know, in terms of the sports marketing, they are highly focused on the next piece of incredible content for Insta. They're incredibly focused on who's going to endorse them as an already world champion, who's endorsing the influencer. You know, it's mm. a yeah. focus yeah. on this online endorsement. And that's the thing. Brand association is an incredibly powerful thing. Look at uh, look at chocolate. Look at Cadbury's. Unfortunately, I don't look at it all that long. I tend to have eaten it by the time I started looking at it, which explains a lot of other problems going on in my life. It's really interesting, actually. Now, honestly, because it, it does... It's actually opened my mind up to to what where I pigeonholed PR, and that's obviously from where I've come with it. Um, and actually, it's not really what I sort of think it is as much now, is it, really? No, oh, it's an ever-evolving industry. Yeah. So with the caveat that I appreciate there is context to any suggestions being made, um, and that context revolves around the nature of the business, the services that are on offer, um, and so with that caveat in mind, what I'd quite like to do is go around the room, obviously the virtual room for anyone listening who might want to tell us off for not locked down, um, uh, go around the room and perhaps throw out some ideas that people may be able to um, <laughs> utilise um, at this current moment in time because there are people out there at the moment who are facing a number of different challenges. Now, we've touched upon these, Chris and Elaine and I, um, in previous episodes, both in terms of the, the challenges that people are facing at this moment in time. And we've also looked at some of the new offerings that we have personally looked to implement given the new landscape. But it would be good to throw out some ideas that people can start milling over because, of course, and I'll throw these out just to give some guide for you guys to to chew the fat on we've we've of course got people who um whose businesses are struggling right now they're they're restricted in what they can do and how they can do it um they might even be not not particularly restricted in doing it they just can't get access to the tools or the supplies that they need in order to do it um how do they create that positive message that positive communication with people even though their business might be struggling you've got businesses who might be doing really well at this moment in time but don't want to appear too boastful about the fact that they're being so successful and others might be struggling and then of course you've got other businesses who potentially could do really well but might offer something that's perhaps a bit more sensitive as a topic right now and I've, I've given this example before but I'll use it again um, for clarity you've got say solicitors who might offer wills uh, and probate and power of attorney services which at this moment in time might seem like an opportunistic service to try and promote but in reality is a probably a slightly higher demand thing at this moment in time so i'll come to you daniel while chris and elaine have a think about what they they might have to throw into ring uh, what sort of ideas can we throw out there for either or all of those kind of circumstances 
Absolutely. There's there's a there's quite a long list of do's and do nots. Uh, yeah, I was making some notes earlier, and I started laughing in some cases just because some of the things that you can imagine are happening are just terrible. Oh goodness! Imagine um, you, you said uh, solicitors there. Yeah, we we talked about that earlier in passing on the telephone. But uh, I, I had the thought of life insurance when you were talking. You know, imagine captioning an Insta post for life insurance with "The end is nigh." <laughs> you know, there are just things that you don't do. This is a very sensitive time. You need to be aware of how your audience is feeling, ultimately how they will react when you communicate. So it's not only how you communicate, but what you communicate. You know, be delicate, consider the context as ever, and try and be a bit more valuable and profitable. A typical resource that marketing, communication firms, PR firms, and all of the like try to offer to people is insights. They, they position themselves as a resource. So they offer advice to small businesses on all of the things that we're discussing. And with greater focus in blogs to drive website conversion and the like, which in turn offer their own ROI. And at the end of the day, that's what matters most. It's about ensuring we transfer from one position where hopefully all's well with business and our sales or our service is doing well, it's generating value, profit, to another state of existence if COVID-19 hasn't impacted us, where we continue to provide value to our stakeholders, but potentially in a completely different way. 10 Minutes, 10 Days, 10 Actions is brought to you by Two Summit Up. Expert sales tips and advice provided in a structured, bite-sized way for only £97. Learn how to improve your processes with 10-minute podcasts provided each day for 10 days, which you can listen to from the comfort of your own home, office or whilst out and about. For more information, visit twosummitup.co.uk forward slash 10 dash actions. Is it, Chris, is it very much a case that you, it, you can still continue to do many of the things that you might have done from a PR perspective in promoting your business? You just have to think a little bit harder about what you were doing and how you might do it to ensure that it does tick the boxes. Yeah, well, I mean, as we've acknowledged in, in two or three of the previous uh, podcasts, the landscape has changed massively. Um, when when things get back to whatever normal is, it just ain't going to be normal, is it? Um, the landscape will change fa- fantastically, and we will have to adapt our um, our offering. Uh, I think pivoting is the is the is the word of the week, isn't it? I've seen a, it's I've a seen lot of word, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I've seen a lot of pivoting over the last two weeks, probably. Um, and that's what that's what we've had to do. There'll be even more pivoting and adapting to change when when we do come back because we haven't seen the end of it yet. Um, you know, at the, the time of this podcast, I think that there is a flattening of the curve, as they say, isn't there? Um, but we don't look like being allowed out anytime soon um, for anything other than a, a quick walk or a cycle or whatever. And the impact on business is is 
incalculable. So our, we will have to adjust when we get back. This is sounding awfully negative, but, but actually it's realistic. We will have to adjust when we get back to, uh, to, to working with clients and some will be more fortunate than others. I consider myself relatively fortunate at the moment in that I've been able to carry on because I've pivoted and turned workshops into seminars. Um, so I'm able to do what I was doing, but, but do it online. Um, and, but we'll all have to, to, to be thinking, you know, many people are furloughed at the moment. When they get back, well, what are going to be the changes when, uh, when their companies get moving again? And we're going to have to, to help those uh, as, as marketing people, PR people, sales people. We're, we're, we're going to have to help them with, uh, with the advice that we, uh, we give them at that particular time. What about you, Elaine? Have you got any ideas or suggestions? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I totally get sort of what Chris is saying about where people are, and I think we are in a bit of a time, aren't we, where um, there's, been, there's been mixed views, I think, uh, on social media. Some people saying, oh, you know, I don't want to have to think about something else at the moment. I just want to you know, wait till my business goes back to where it was, and then I'll pick up pieces then or, or pick it all up then and work with it. Um, and, it and obviously this is, you know, hugely subjective, is it, because it depends on what your business is. Um, but my sort of thoughts are if you, you know, if you can do something now that keeps your business moving forward and it can be something, you know, from a collaboration with somebody, there could be something that you, you think, if I sort of hitch my back to this person, we can help each other through this time and, you know, have some great PR around it, a good news story about how people are pulling together to help each other uh, business-wise in, in such time. So there's Thinking out the box stuff is is really for me quite big at the moment. Uh, if you can do that, um, and um, whether you do that with sort of a um, a fun story, I'm I'm a big <laughs> as uh, two guys know. I've got this very odd sense of humour, laugh at all the wrong things, um, but it works for me. Um, so I'm a big play on words person and all of that. So I think you know when you see some uh, sort of advertising that's a real play on words. You know, it could it just gets you remembered, doesn't it? And you can let's face it, we need a bit of a laugh uh, at the moment, don't we? So things that we can lighten the mood a bit, goodwill stories, or uh, are all you know high at the moment. If we can get some of those out there, and if your your brand or what you do, it could be something as simple as you know, if you if you're making cakes and you drop them off for whoever, somebody like that, or those stories as small as they they are. Yeah. They're really important to people yeah. right now. So it's it's that sort of stuff um, I think um, we should be thinking about. If, if we can't do anything else, we're limited as to what we can do. Think of the stuff that you can do. And, Daniel, I guess something something's occurred to me there whilst the other guys were talking, uh, which is the difference between PR and advertising, because that's something that I haven't yet raised, which is probably something that does confuse most people, because a lot of the things we're describing there can possibly be perceived as advertising, but there is a, there is a distinct difference. So uh, perhaps you would more eloquently give the definitions and perhaps explain it so people can understand? Well, first of all, I have zero, zero specialism in advertising. It's a fascinating field and it's so creative. It's, it's very admirable. Um, advertising is what you pay for. Pub- publicity is what you pray for. So advertising <laughs> very is... Very good. Um, like it. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, did you, you enjoy that, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah we yes. did. That's yeah. getting coined. <laughs> Advertising is what we call paid media, and public relations is earned media. So, of course, you know, you've got your high-impact creative campaigns that focus on immediate messaging, you know, informing your clients about something with great taste. We want to make sure that your audience is equipped or informed in some manner or another in line with what you're about to do as a business. Quite commonly, this includes product launches. Most commonly on television, we see advertisements for services. I think I don't watch too much television in the UK, uh, if anywhere, but you know, I think most of it's life insurance and rather dry stuff between programs. So in that case, you know, to build a compelling brand narrative, one needs to engage public relations. You will never develop a good brand narrative with advertising. You can only supplement it or indeed link your public relations efforts, your public communications with your business strategy through an advertising campaign. So in that sense, traditionally, PR would be concerned with the editorial section of a magazine or on a website advertisements of course they enter the same kind of areas with paid media slots which means that they don't actually have any credibility they're not forced and this is the crux of it with public relations if you have content that is shared well it may be shared by somebody of significance or indeed if it's just a retweet and word of mouth from your mate chris down the road you know fair play it's still worth listening to. I follow that guy for a reason, you know? So you have this endorsement factor with public relations. Advertising is more about impact and direct messaging. Was that your phone, Chris? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I was wondering if it was going to be mentioned. <laughs> Hashtag awful. He never fails, never fails. Yeah. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done that for a long time in fairness. <laughs> so uh, with that in mind and, and, and now having a much clearer idea of the difference between PR and advertising, how do you measure PR? Well, PR is something that you can measure through a range of different exercises and it would depend upon where and what kind of PR you're doing. So allow me to elaborate. I mean, typically people that do print media you know, they're trying to secure interest through press, strategic interviews, or some other form of CSR reporting, perhaps. You want to gain uh, admiration based upon your environmental endeavors. Well, in that case, you'd be looking at press clippings across your entire campaign. As you go through from beginning to end, you need to see if the number of mentions that you have, your inclusion within targeted outlets, you need to make sure that that's ever growing and that the quality of your coverage in itself is growing. Having a small section in a newspaper is not the same as having a double spread. Absolutely not. So we need to make sure that press clippings are something that you look at. If we're talking about media impressions, let's stick offline for a moment. Well, media impressions are concerned with your reach ultimately and over a period of time, the way we do this is you multiply the number of press clippings by the total circulation of the publication. So, for example, if 
Wall Street Journal, for example, mentioned that your company mentioned your company and it has a total circulation of say two or three million, then you've achieved two or three million impressions, very simply put. Content analysis, I mean, what's being said in these spaces, I think that's an important thing to think about as well. It's not just, are we visible? Quality matters. You know, did uh, a reporter or the influencer at hand mention your brand's key messages? Is your company being portrayed in the correct light? Presumably a positive light, unless you're Katie Hopkins. Or, you know, to answer the question, does PR work? You, you really have to kind of assess the results and measure what is ROI for your business. Again, one size does not fit all. Website traffic, a very common point for digital marketers to consider. Another way that we have to determine the effectiveness of, you know, what we're putting out there, you have to make sure that after launching your campaign, you're tracking this using the tools at hand, and many of them are free. I mean, look at what Google offers in itself. If you've used a website development tool like Wix or WordPress, there are free plugins there that you can use to monitor your traffic, see how long people are spending online, what they are doing exactly. Now, depending on the nature of your business, you might choose to invest here. So for example, if you do sales of some description, you'll want some kind of sales funnel and a capture mechanism or framework in place so that you can make sure those that visit your site deliver value before they leave or indeed order something. Lead sourcing is another that has to be mentioned. A well-executed PR campaign should directly contribute to sales leads, absolutely if it fits context, of course. But it's difficult to determine when press coverage triggers sales because how do you know what's done the job, so to speak? So to learn how your clients are making decisions, you need to make sure that you ask people how they heard about your company, your product, your service, how they came to know more about it at each different juncture of your marketing and sales campaigns. Market surveys are a way of doing that, of course. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you need to track the emergence of different feelings or ideas in order to ensure the messages you're sharing are correct. Are they resulting in a different perception? And if so, is that the one that you wanted? I bet it will help. <laughs> Social media insights, they're free. Absolutely. There's a lot of tools out there that you can add beyond the basics that are built into Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. But do you need them? Honestly, start with the basics. Have a look. Understand who's plugged into your social media. Does that match what you thought was your target audience? Maybe, maybe not. But there might be something to learn there. So, you know, there are a lot of data driven deductions that one can make just by looking at their audience when they're online and how they interact with that content. There's some great, great ideas. Go on, Chris. Sorry, you were going to say oh. something. Uh, no, well, no, I was just go going to ask Daniel, where, where, where do you feel marketing um, ends and PR begins? Because there is a huge blurring of the lines there, isn't I there? would ask you why you feel the need to draw a line, sir. <laughs> or, That's fair comment. Yes, I'd, yes, I'd, fair I'd, comment. I'd go further and obviously reopen that wound and say, when does PR <laughs> end and marketing start? <laughs> Well, <laughs> and not forgetting the sales in there as well, of course. 
<laughs> Indeed. I think the word here that I would really like to emphasize on for everybody that is new to public relations, do not treat it, do not work in silos, okay? Integrate this with your business strategy. Sit and have open conversations with people in every department. Understand the challenges that you have from their perspective. This is not about you leading the show because you are in fact a support function. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fair comment. Yeah. Very good. Really interesting. And as we always say, they all intertwine massively, don't they? Um, yes. I suppose I've got one question actually. So um, what what's the sort of the most impressive uh, story around an influencer you've seen? Is that in social media terms, uh, Elaine? Yeah, well, there's a lot on Instagram, there's quite a few influencers yeah, around, yeah. isn't there? Or um, purported influencers. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, you know, there's, Self-confessed. there's like Mrs. Hinch and there's people like that. You just think, oh, I mean, you see, I'm, I'm mentioning this now and you're probably thinking, who the heck is Mrs. Hinch? Um, but yeah, there's people like that who just seem to, you know. I didn't honestly want to brave that question. I think I've got an answer that everybody listening will appreciate, and there are very few in this world, but there are some people that are just bloody magnificent. <laughs> Wayne The Rock Johnson. Please tell me that you agree. Yeah, oh, that absolutely. Wonderful influencer. He's admirable in what he does. He's successful. He cares. That is his selling point. He gives a beep. He does. Absolutely. And nothing is more impactful in a world like that we have today. The sentiments mm. are negative and you want people with influence to care. Yeah. yeah that's a really good point, that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It is. And, and quite often people, certainly amateur influencers, those who want to make themselves an influencer, but I can't quite understand or grasp the concepts that they're putting out there to make them an influencer quite often the thing that seems to bypass them is there has to be a link between that person what they represent what they do what people see them as or where they've come from and the product or the business that ultimately you're trying to link if the if the two are too disparate you're never gonna the the, the effect of that influence is just going to be negligible really um so you you have to make sure there is a a link between those two things um if 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 it's a fitness or health product and you're going to someone who's um known for either being fit or being healthy or works in that field or is seen as an expert that is a link that you ultimately want to do if someone comes to me with a health product and let's pretend for a second I am an influencer, which I aren't, um, and someone comes to me and says, would you promote my product? Everyone will look at me and go, well, it definitely doesn't work for him. So I'm not buying it because yes. it doesn't work. Well, this is a, 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 this yeah. is something I have to say on this podcast, you know, and I haven't planned on it at all, but it's something that it, it's quite infuriating when you have people or you come across you know clients get in touch or prospective you know clients get in touch and they tell you about what they pay for social media services from agencies normally and there's a big difference between an agency and a consultancy it's important to remember that but without the specifics agencies will ultimately sell their time and their services which is perfectly all good and well and you know i i grew up 
I grew up through this industry in agencies and, you know, there's no disrespect to them at all. They're just different to consultancies who, well, they share outcomes. Influencers, it's something, Mark, that you and I can see as a great tool in light that, you know, one of the clients we work with, they have a collection of athletes, an athlete portfolio, 50 pro, para and Olympic athletes. And, you know, our initiative for them is to ultimately begin to endorse the organization they work with because it's physical activity based, it's sport based. And so by putting that up, people say, oh, who are these people? What do they do? You know, spark the intrigue because it's relevant. Don't give them too much information. Otherwise, I won't get my lovely, my profile hits and (laughs) my conversions. Jokes aside, you know, they begin to have a look, you know, stir some intrigue because if you're a relevant voice, people will click. You know, they call it clickbait, you know, for a, a popular term. And there's nothing wrong with throwing clickbait out there if it's of interest to your audience. So indeed, coming back to something we all kind of started with earlier on, partnerships. Use this time to develop them. See who you can collaborate with free of charge, doing simple communications that endorse one another, generate exposure, and thus greater value for you both. Wise yeah, words. Yeah. Wise words yeah. indeed. The brain processes nearly 10,000 visual and oral cues per minute. As first impressions stick, make the customer see your business in the right way. Funky Vibes can ensure your vibes attract the right tribe with their marketing expertise, graphic design, bespoke websites and social media packages. For more information or a no-commitment initial consultation, simply email your tribe at funkyvibe.co.uk. Do we have any examples that people can take away with them? Uh, I, I tried to do this at the outset. What I'm trying to create is a picture for people who perhaps are slowly, hopefully if we've done our job properly in this show, have given enough of an idea as to what it is we're talking about with PI. But do we have any more examples um or uh, circumstances that people might be able to relate to to better understand how they can then take this and use it in their own business. Happily offer to Chris and Elaine, first of all, if you have any thoughts or popular campaigns that you remember vaguely or something that popped up last year and you went and bought it, anything spring to mind? I remember a crisp company who will remain nameless just in case I end up with a lawsuit land on my desk. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it should do because it was it was in the public domain. Um, but they they were part of uh, they were doing a, a campaign with a football club and were inviting people to insert pictures of themselves on a, a graphic, which they then wanted people to like and share. The idea being that it was then of benefit for creating the awareness and the PR of both the Crisp company and of the football club. Unfortunately, the way in which they went about doing it allowed for people to insert the faces of quite literally anybody they wanted into that graphic. So, of course, uh, you, you, you open up that sort of capability to Joe Public and they will take it and they will whack you over the head with it with an enormous bat. So they ended up having having some of the most inappropriate faces of people, murderers, um, dictators. Oh, you know, if you can think of an inappropriate person, their face got put onto this graphic and that promptly got shared around 
the the entire of the social interweb and i guess it almost brings us back to the whole pr is just thing as bad pr because of course on the one hand there was no doubting about the awareness of the two the the chris company and the football club who were trying to raise awareness of course, it's probably not what they planned and not necessarily what they were hoping for <laughs> when they set about doing it. So um, that's probably that that was probably something that had me chuckling in my seat for a good few minutes at least. Well, that's the thing. There's a lesson to learn here. I mean, I'm sat here grinning like a Cheshire cat, and it's hilarious. You know, when brands bugger it up, it's okay most of the time, to be honest. And I would say this to most marketers, obviously there are contexts where this is highly inappropriate, but just laugh it off. Put your hands up and have a laugh with the general public because they'll love you for it. That's Mm. not what brands Mm. do. And I'm not saying humiliate yourself, shard and fraud, you know, absolutely not. No need to go that far. But at the end of the day, we're all human. And a lot of brands capitalize on this kind of stuff. We've seen Terry Crews trip up on stage on some of literally the world's biggest, uh, what are they, brand America's Got Talent, the world's biggest stage. You know, we've seen him trip and he just works it off into some smooth groove because that's what he's got. <laughs> Man can move like an angel. So, <laughs> as ridiculous as that is because of his size, it's hilarious. And it's just a prime example of how to fix uh, a minor PR issue without even opening your mouth. So, there was an excellent one a couple of years ago, uh, Iceland's Christmas one, where <clears throat> um, because it, it was all about their all about their eco-friendly green green campaign and friend, friendly friendly fish and so on and so forth, and they um, it's some, it was something to do with Greenpeace. They 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 allied themselves or they didn't ally themselves, but they used a Greenpeace Greenpeace phrase or song or whatever and everyone everyone was up in arms about this and in, and they, they said right that's not going on television it, it'll go on YouTube it got far more exposure on YouTube <laughs> than I've ever had on television mm-hmm. and forgive me for not getting the facts right there if, if, if anyone's listening from Iceland but um, it was a magnificent PR campaign whether they did it on purpose or not we'll probably never know but um, but it had a, a, an amazing result for. Do you, do you remember that, Daniel? Vaguely, yeah. I was out of the country, but I've seen bits of it covered in articles, and you know it's been discussed as an example. Such as I've actually got one myself that uh, from last year. I landed yeah. back after yeah. many years abroad, and I had a bit of a shock. The vegan trend had taken a hold here so strongly. I, I was shocked when I landed, and especially as a meat lover, you know, whilst I'm cool with it. I was thinking, wow, this is really beginning to penetrate the market. It's intriguing meat lovers. It's fueling world-class athletes and new personal bests and world records. It's really, really quite something. <laughs> so I began to look at, you know, how are people capitalizing on this? Because they are. Yeah. If there's an opportunity, you know someone's capitalizing on it. Probably yes. give me a call. I'm likely in the mix. You know, I do my best. And... When I got back, I couldn't help but notice my entire family kept banging on about these vegan sausage rolls. Greg. <laughs> oh, Greg's, yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Everybody knows. And that's the thing. You know, veganism isn't part of Muslim culture. It's not familiar mm. to 
my dear wife's family who are Asian. And I, I'm a Scottish heathen, you know, I love meat. So for me, I was really quite bombarded. And I felt that way. But it wasn't by Greg's. It was by the public. What yeah. an impact they had had. Yeah. So yeah. let us talk about their campaign for a second, because they didn't really do anything incredibly innovative or expensive. They actually capitalized on an experience that we've all had and love, which is the smart part. It's not about working harder. It's about working smarter. Yeah. yeah. Now, these, the, these particular marketers, they packaged as they would an iPhone and they sent it off to a very select number of journalists and influencers who obviously saw it with surely a brief of what's going on here. This is why we've sent this to you. We'd like you to open it and document it in the regular fashion so that you can, of course, if you like it or don't, share and comment. Again, social PR. Make sure that people yeah. can share your stuff. So people are opening these iPhone boxes. What on earth? Why are they sending us technology? This is Greg's. It's a vegan sausage roll inside. <laughs> and aside from the fact they nailed it with the taste, side note, you know, that little experience was enough to pop it out there in the public domain and begin to capitalize on that exact experience, yeah. getting a new phone. We all have one. So what did the marketing team do there? I would say that they sat and said, right, let's capitalize on a positive emotion, an experience that we all have as consumers. Very simple. Okay, what do we all love? I love getting a new phone. There you go. You've got your, your basic concept development already kicking off. And when they did the social campaign, they didn't put these extravagant images and silly technologies in play because they didn't need to. What happened was when they engaged their audiences, obviously they had challenges, as everybody does. They had people highly against what they were doing. Piers Morgan, no doubt, tweeted, uh, unsurprisingly tweeted himself, and denounced the product like people don't want this and began, he began to curse a little or something of that description and whilst i don't remember his wording i certainly remember greg's they simply said here's we've been waiting for you and it was humorous <laughs> you know because of course yeah. they've been waiting for him and everybody else to jump on so mm. be yeah. and just simply truthful with these people instead of ignoring them or fighting, God forbid, you know, that really turned the tide and, you know, mocking Piers Morgan by simply stating one simple sentence of truth, it turned into great brand value. Yeah, yeah. Although, yeah. although that being said, hands up. Stats, by the way. <laughs> I have the stats here, sorry, noted. I thought I might share them just to show you the actual impact. I mean, if we consider the investment some people put into these social campaigns is quite significant. And whilst Greg's didn't plow money into theirs, they did have some wonderful results. One month after the release of Greg's vegan sausage roll, shares went up by 7% to an all-time high of £17.13, and sales rose by 10% net, which is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was absolutely fantastic. You know, it's a great campaign. It was cheap. It was simple. And yeah. they did the job. We're still talking about it. Hands up, though. Who would have been disappointed if when an iPhone 
box arrived on your desk at work <laughs> and you opened it up expecting to find a brand new phone only to find a cold sausage roll inside um whether you were vegan or otherwise vegan one. <laughs> well, oh, I up in PR and i've always said that journalists get too many gifts so in my opinion i'm quite pleased about it <laughs> it's a great example I and mean, there's loads of little things you could do i remember one um when i had my law firm and there was a cost company who were trying to get us to send them work and i didn't know them from adam um and i often got letters and and um requests to send people work of varying degrees um and this cost company at the time it was it was during the european championships of the world cup i can't remember which and england were playing on the friday night and of course the national lottery was on the saturday night um so on sure enough on the friday morning i received um a little box it wasn't a massive box just a small little box and I opened it up and it was a letter from a cost company um uh, saying um and i was half expecting it normally i just picked it up briefly saw a big wad of text screwed it up and lobbed it in the bin and that's no offense to anyone who ever sent me a letter it was just i've got I haven't got enough time to sit and read every sales pitch that everyone wants to throw at me. But these guys didn't. It was a short little snappy piece of card. The basis said, um, good luck. We, we hope you have a great weekend. And behind the card was a betting slip for a pound that England were going to win yeah, their yeah. game on a Friday 2-1. And also behind that was a lottery ticket for the saturday night mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. they'd essentially spent two pound i appreciate plus the print for all the boxes and the like but yeah, they'd yeah. essentially spent two pound to give me something that they were legitimate so i, I could have actually mm-hmm. uh won a small fortune that weekend at which point they could have had all the work they wanted in the world <laughs> alas i don't think i've ever won anything like that in my life before uh, so I didn't win a bean, but come Monday, somebody dropped me an email from that company saying, "Hi, yeah, we're just checking to see whether or not you're picking up this email from a Caribbean island or whether you're still sat <laughs> at your desk." Um, yeah. And because, of course, it was such a unique and quite a thoughtful first uh, communication. I actually took the time to reply back to that email again. Normally, someone would have followed up going, oh, we sent you a letter last week just to see whether you wanted to use our services. Would you like to hear from us further? It had just been delete. Whereas these guys yeah. thought, do you know what? You yeah. put enough time and effort and ingenuity yeah. into the way you've approached me. The least I can do is send you a reply saying, no, yeah. sadly, I won diddly squat, but I do appreciate having been given the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And you remember them, won't you? That's the thing. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They didn't get any work from me, but that <laughs> that, that, that was by the by. Yeah. But you're still talking about them how many years later, so that's good. Exactly, exactly. Uh, right, so uh, just quickly before we sign off, uh, have we got any do's or don'ts for people to take away with them for particularly now? Um, I'd say certainly don't go silent. A lot of companies are thinking that if they're not sure what to say, or indeed, if they're not sure that they have something valuable to say, they just don't. Don't do that. Your stakeholders are living, breathing creatures. Treat them as such. Nurture them in the same way that you would a child, because at the end of the day, you want them to learn similar to a child, or indeed to grow into someone that is 
matured with a, a very clear understanding of what you do and an intimate relationship that you can capitalize on. If you don't know what's happening with your business or funding, I appreciate that's very difficult. And you begin to look at, you know, we could discuss the risk factor now. What exactly am I communicating? How do I know it's best? Do I have that level of expertise or insight? Well, perhaps not, but at the end of the day, as long as you're stating the facts, you're being clear and open and you're nurturing a continued you know, sense of transparency with as much information as you can provide at any given moment, specifically when you can next expect to update your audience, you'll do just fine. They will appreciate something rather than nothing, provided that it is as described. I think also it's important to make sure you're very aligned. Do not speak as an individual. Do not work in silos. Communicate as a team. Alignment is absolutely imperative. And it's where so many people go wrong with public relations. For example, I cannot name the nation <laughs> for a multitude of reasons. But when I was working in a emerging market, in that context, the police would very often send two press releases within 48 hours completely contradicting each other. Now, this caused public chaos in some cases because they're talking about the law of the land and what's about to happen. So all of a sudden, businesses thought, oh, my goodness, this will impact me because it's centered on travel and traffic. This is a big problem for us. Actually, no, a junior director had simply authorized something he wasn't allowed to and completely got it backward. So all the public uproar and the resources they had to employ to control that, the negative brand perception, I'm still laughing at them today, you know, they were ridiculous in terms of their resources in-house. It's just not worth it. You have to make sure before you communicate, you're completely aligned and you understand everything involved. At the same time, whilst you don't want to go silent and indeed may run short of things to say, Elaine, Chris, earlier on, they offered great examples of how one can collaborate to generate new talking points, new value, new relationships, and capitalize on them in turn. But if you're not doing that yet or you're working on it, keep going, but don't overload the dialogue with COVID. We're bored of it. We all are. Even those of us who ignore it and, you know, mute every government channel possible, it's still in our faces. People are a bit tired of this. If you don't need to talk about it or it's not at all relevant to how you're changing what you do, avoid it. Everybody's making enough noise. Be original, be authentic, offer people value in context. Fantastic. Outside of national emergencies. Yes, of course. And Chris, Elaine, have you got some final pointers very briefly, very briefly, just don't do nothing. Um, plan for the future. We've said it before. Plan, plan for the future when you're able to get back to work. Um, plan how you're going to change. Uh, just uh, and, and and be uh, be visible. Be visible on your social media. Be visible, keeping in touch with clients and potential clients and so on. Uh, just do something. Um, it'll you'll feel better. Fab. And it Elaine? Yeah, pretty much the same really is keeping engaged, isn't it? Keep that um, line of communication open. Um, you know, the, the, the good stories. I think we're you know, we're all in need of good stories. If you can uh, if you've got some of those surrounding you, as small as it might seem, 
uh, share them because people really want to hear them. Brilliant. All fantastic advice. Well, thank you very much, guys. Um, Daniel, of course, everyone has heard firsthand that you know what you're talking about. So if people do want to get in touch with you, um, how can they uh, how can they drop you a line? Absolutely. It's great to visit us on social or on our website, stratcomsuk.net, or indeed at stratcomsuk if you're on Insta or Twitter. You can drop us a line if you have a pen and paper, info at stratcomsuk.net. Fantastic. Um, well, thank you very much for joining us. You, you've been a fantastic guest. It's been okay. very enlightening, to say the least. Hopefully, the listeners will be better uh, equipped to understand PR and the differences between that and some of the other topics that we've covered previously. Of course, if you want to listen to some of those previous topics, then you can go and check out all our older shows. You will find us on all the major podcast platforms. You'll also find us on the podstation.co.uk. Um, you will find listed there all of our previous shows. Of course, we're always asking people to throw questions and comments, um, suggested topics that they might want us to specifically address. If you send that to goldfish at the podstation.co.uk, um, or you drop us a direct message on our social medias. We're on Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. It's at go underscore fish marketing. Um, then we will pick them up there and hopefully we will put them into a show. Um, uh, um, once again, Daniel, thank you very much for your time and yeah, your, thank you your contribution. Thank you Thanks, Daniel. Elaine, yeah, and, thank you. Elaine and Chris, thank you as always for your wonderful company. And beautifully hosted, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And you, and you, you'd say something charming in the end, uh, and that's definitely going in the show. Uh, so, thank you very much. Well, again. If you had a green screen, though, but never mind. Oh, don't start that wound. That's a that's a podcast in itself. Where my green screen's gone. Uh, <laughs> without without dulling you any further on those those nonsensical conversations. Thank you very much for listening, guys, and we'll check you next time. See you later. Yes, thanks. Cheers, man. Bye. Cheers, bye. Get social at go underscore fish marketing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. hobby or expertise and want to share it with the world why not do a podcast the pod station offers a wide range of packages to make this a reality ranging from training and support for those who have no idea where to begin to podcasters who just need somewhere to host their show with prices starting at a mere 15 pound per month you can now get involved in one of the fastest growing entertainment forms in the world without all the headaches to find out more, visit thepodstation.co.uk forward slash station dash packages. And remember, those with passion, podcast. <laughs>